Hello, children. Welcome to The Jerick Show. I'm Javad Malik, and today's villain will be played by the BFG, Mr. Eric Crone. How are you doing, Eric? I I'm doing pretty good, but I'm a little concerned. You started this off with children, which means when we put this up on YouTube, I'm going to have to like market that it's made for kids. <laughs> and we're going to end up beside like Thomas the Train episodes or something. I don't know how this is going to work. Choo-choo. Yeah. <laughs> so well well done messing it up from the start javad appreciate that we ah. do welcome adults as well okay um probably preferring adults watch this kind of a show so, so you're saying this is an adult show uh, it, man i don't even know what it is honestly <laughs> all right so speaking of not knowing what's going on let's help inform our audience what do you say javad Yes, yes, yes. So I, we were looking through the stories for this week, the ones that have been quite notable, and there was a theme emerging. It, uh, surprisingly, oh, let's kick off with the first story, and then we can see whether anyone can guess what the theme is. Leave it in the comments below or tweet us. Hold on, I've got this all queued up, unlike last week, at The Jerick Show. You can tweet us. It's there on the screen. And for the podcast listeners is at T-H-E-G-J-E-R-I-C-H-S-H-O-W. Wow, surprised. And if you do want to listen to this as a podcast, uh, there is there, the jerickshow.podbean.com is the place to go. We might spend $5 at some point and get our own custom domain, but that's where it is for now. Eric, put your hands in your pockets and pull out some money and pay for our <laughs> custom domain. Okay, so first story is about uh, it's well, it's on Krebs on security and Brian Krebs, friend of the show. He said that uh, FBI Department of Homeland Security HHS warn of imminent credible ransomware threats against U.S. hospitals. Whew, I've got nothing to worry about then. Uh, what's your take on it? <laughs> yeah, my my take on this is. What a horrible thing uh, to be doing right about now. And it looks like this is pretty significant. Um, I've seen reports of several different hospitals already being hit. I believe it's Ryuk that is uh, being spread out there. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, we've got a spike in the pandemic going on um, in the U.S. in certain areas as well. There's already a shortage of ICU beds in some areas, not everywhere. But this is the last thing we need to happen on top of everything else is to be targeting hospitals and healthcare during a damn pandemic, man. Um, you know, we talked in one of our earlier episodes about how low will they go, Javad. I, I think this is really kind of pushing that. What do you think? It is. It is. It's 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 going so low. And I think there's there's two two things here. First is even if these headlines or these warnings weren't put out. Hospitals and most organizations, I think you should always be expecting ransomware attacks anyway. So, you know, primarily you have two big distinct groups of attackers out there. You have nation states who are after your, involved in espionage after your intellectual property, broad brush, really broad brush. Um, and then you have your cyber criminals that are really interested in making money. And there are far more people now moving to the cybercrime side of the house. There are even traditional criminals who've, had, you know, physical ones. They're on lockdown as well. So they're at home and they're like, well, what can we do to make some money? I heard this cyber thing is, is a good angle. And they've all turned to, to ransomware. So, um, you know, some of them are 
completely indiscriminate. Some of them are far more targeted. But the thing is that they're out there and they're trying to get this out there because they know they can make some money from it. And the, the question is, how low will they go? They will go as low as they can, as low as they need to. Um, just this week, and, and bringing this side of the uh, Atlantic again, because I want to make it more about my, my people as opposed to your people. Uh, <laughs> that came out wrong. But uh, in Finland, there was a, um, a psychi psychiatric clinic that got breached. And the criminals, they stole the notes of the patients. So whatever the doctor, patient, whatever their notes were, they stole them. And then they started contacting all of the patients and saying, hey, we have all of your deepest, darkest secrets, your insecurities, your worries, your phobias, everything. Pay us money or we're going to release that out into the world. Now, hold on one second here, Javad. You're talking about hackers going after a psychotherapy clinic, right? And one of the things I can only imagine that some of these people suffer from would be what? Paranoia, right? <laughs> so now they get attacked by somebody saying, we have your information. Oh my gosh. What, what, a, <laughs> what a bad way to do this. I mean, um, wow. And wow, just that, that's a rough thing to do. And we've seen this before, actually. Um, we saw this in a ransomware attack where they went after the clinic and then they got all the information. They went after the other folks. I think it was a plastic surgery clinic. That's and right. they said, yeah, if you don't if you don't pay or if this doctor doesn't pay, we're putting out your information about the surgeries you had. So they used those people to put the pressure on the clinic to pay the ransom. I mean, it's ridiculous. And did you pay? <laughs> well, you know, they failed, obviously, at all the stuff they did. So I don't really care if you know. Oh, yeah. Did you get a refund? <laughs> <That's the question. laughs> uh, you know, no, um, but this is this is crazy. And, you know, there's a couple of industries that are very targeted in the ransomware side. And that is things like manufacturing. That is things like healthcare. Um, places where having timely access to that information is absolutely critical. You know, in manufacturing, uh, if a line goes down, you have a bunch of people just standing there not being able to do anything. If they can't get to the drawings, to the files they need to be able to create the widgets, everything just stops. So there's a lot of um, uh, a, a lot of good motivation for them to want to pay. Same with healthcare. You know, no, no surgeon is going to go into surgery or no anesthesiologist is going to put somebody under if they don't know what kind of drugs they're taking or past interactions or any of that information, they're not going to do it. So they they tend to be motivated to pay as well. That's right. That's right. And it's, these are the industries, like, like you said, but as everything moves towards digitization, it just becomes a way of life now. I mean, you try turning off the internet at home and wait how long before your kids start yelling at you or that there's no internet. It, it doesn't last very long. Um, but but you're right, there is motivation to pay. And it brings up the question, how much money do these people make, these criminals make from ransomware? Any guesses? Uh, I'm betting it's quite a bit. Um, <laughs> there's It's a huge economy. It, it's got to be. It is. It is. And um, so, so the FBI done a talk at RSA um, this year. And I can't share this this screen because it's uh, 
<laughs> I didn't prepare it, but um, they they had some figures from 2018 to 2019, and they said like the the Riot ransomware got over 61.26 million. Uh, wow, that was the largest. Uh, the the crisis or the Dharma Group uh, 24.48 million. There's a whole long tail, but if you come, there's a whole long tail of the top ten, and then there's everyone else other than them. They got 15 and a half million. So significant. I mean, the totals that they had was 144.35 million dollars uh, over 2018, 2019. Yeah, and this was through 2019, and I know we've seen a pretty significant jump in 2020. There's been quite a quite a bit going on, and the 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 bottom line ransoms, like the ransom amount, has jumped significantly just in the first quarter here. Um, you know, the, the days of a two or three hundred dollar machine ransom are pretty much over with, right? We're talking averages up in I can't remember the number for the average ransomware, um, but I want to say it was about one hundred and forty four thousand dollars, something like that, uh, through first quarter. That's that's a lot for a ransom. It is. It is. And and what we're also seeing evidence of is the ransomware operators being more strategic or uh, in how in how much they charge. So they'll go in, they'll do some recon work, they'll exfiltrate data. And then based on the organization they've attacked and the data they have, they will then set a price accordingly. So they don't want to price them out of price themselves out of a business. So if the company's only got like you know, a million in the bank, they're not going to charge them 5 million. Uh, they're going to go in with, well, maybe we'll ask for 100, 150,000. But if they're like a multi-billion dollar global company, then they can go in a lot, lot higher. And, yeah, we've uh, definitely seen them in the millions. Um, and, and you know, what's weird about this, or what's not weird, but funny about this is um, it doesn't matter the industry. We talked about some key industries, but the size of business really doesn't matter anymore either because, um, as long as they can get in, they can plant this stuff and do it. There is commodity ransomware too. So even um, grocery stores, you know, grocery store chains, even um, bakery shops, people you would never think would be targets for this. They may be willing to pay a couple grand to get their doors back open um, just to get their files back. So that's an interesting, interesting side there. Yeah. And and just recently the Revil, uh, R-Evil um, gang, Apologies, gangs, if I'm pronouncing your names wrong. But uh, they said in a, they claim to have made over 100 million profit in a year. Uh, that's just this one. Um, and and this is this this is where it becomes a really tough tough position to be in because organisations they get crippled, so they kind of like feel like they have to pay. But then they pay, and with this kind of revenue with this kind of turnover. And even if this, this might be exaggerated, but say even if it's doubled, yeah? Say even if they only made half of that, say they only made 50 million, that's a hell of a lot of money they can reinvest into hiring some of the top hackers in the world to code for them. Uh, they, they might not even tell them that it's for um, illegal gains. They might say, hey, we need a contractor to come in and code this for us for pen testing. And, and we've seen evidence of that happen in the past as well, where some nation states have set up uh, pen testing fronts and they've hired some of the best pen testers in the area for top dollar and got them to hack into organizations claiming it's part of a legitimate test when it's not. So, you know, with, with you know, 50 million, 100 million in, in, in revenue, you can hire a lot of talent. You can set up your own infrastructure. You can 
pay off officials in certain countries to, to, to turn a blind eye to your illegal data center, all sorts of things you can do. Uh, so I think it's, it's one of those things where uh, this is here today. I think next year or in a two years time, we're probably looking at a lot of these companies like ransomware gangs that potentially could compete for positions on the Fortune 100 or something. <laughs> right. Can you see them doing like an SEC filing or something for, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know, so so there's this side here of the, the really big end, but I'll tell you, there's also the other side. And you touched on this earlier, Javad. Um, even common criminals, even regular criminals, if you will, are getting into the cyber gang. And one of the enabling factors for that that I've been talking about for years is ransomware as a service or RAS, R-A-A-S, right? So we got infrastructure as a service, software as a service, platform as a service, all those as a services. And so there's something out there, it's called ransomware as a service. And a lot of times the way this works is um, they set this up, they have all of the information um, and they have the infrastructure, they have somebody coding it. And then what they do is they basically profit share. So they'll say, okay, if you go out and, and you get people infected, you get 70% of the take, we get 30%, we handle all of the backend stuff, all the infrastructure stuff, you go out and do the attacks, right? And it costs a lot of times absolutely nothing to get into. It's $0 to get into or extremely cheap. And so then they turn around, they use services like um, when I looked on the dark web last, I could send... 50,000 emails for 65 bucks, right? We're talking about low low cost of entry here. So you got nothing into the ransomware. It's 65 bucks to send 50,000 emails out. Um, this, is, this is an easy way for them to make a ton of money for next to nothing. And unfortunately, I think we, we're going to see that on the low end. We're going to keep seeing that part rise. And the folks that are going to be really good on that may end up be uh, you know, in jobs working for the larger gangs too, you know, you can see this whole like economy growing from this. That's right. That's right. It's, uh, it's really unfortunate. So, you know, maybe they'll need some, uh, uh, spokespeople advocates. Uh, so next year, maybe you could be uh, looking for a, for a different job, Eric. <laughs> right. We're going to be going around talking about, you know, Hey, check out Ryak, the new yeah. SaaS version. And you know, <laughs> I mean, really what, how, how far will this end up going uh, for legitimacy? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but one you know, man, you mentioned one man somewhere is another man's uh, unauthorized data encryption service. <laughs> well, you know, you mentioned earlier, um, you know, everybody like, like there was this release that said that these people, there's an imminent threat, but you know, to your point earlier too, for everybody, there's imminent threat of ransomware. It doesn't matter the size of your company. It doesn't matter any of that. It is an imminent threat. And we really, really have to treat it as such, no matter what, no matter who we are. Exactly. Exactly. And it just reminded me, there was a story, I think a couple of weeks ago, I don't think we spoke about it, but there was a um, ransomware gang who donated something like $100,000 to a couple of charities. I uh, had not heard about that. Wow. Know, not heard that. I, I will have to educate you. You keep talking about something, distract the audience while I, I look it up. <laughs> and this, is, folks, is where I do my part in the uh, interpretive dance. Uh, fortunately for the podcast listeners, you don't have to put up with this. Um, no, that's fascinating though. They're they're actually donating to charity. I mean, uh, that's a that's it. That's that's really confounding to me because on the one hand, you have somebody that has 
obviously very poor morals uh, and ethics as they go and they attack these places, hold them ransom, and then demand money from them. Uh, and then they turn around and they give to charity organizations? I mean... Here it is. It's uh, the Darkside Earthquake Gang has donated 10000 it received as part of ransom demands to Children International and the Water Project. And I, uh, I, I believe they said, either both or one of them said that they're not going to take the money. They're going to, I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to take it out and burn it. I, I have no idea. Um, yeah. But, you know, you know th this is the problem. Like, like you said, they could have like taken down a hospital. They could have taken down someone's business. They could have caused people to lose their jobs. And giving a little bit in the way of charity does not absolve themselves of the fact that they committed a criminal act. This, you know, it's it's not as easy as uh, Kevin Costner playing Robin Hood in in the classic, belting out to Brian Adams tunes. So, <laughs> which I won't sing because that's going to get stuck in my head, and because Thank I can't. You. Well, uh, the irony the irony to this is the very first ransomware strain ever was called AIDS. It was back in 1989, and it was actually spread at a an AIDS research conference. Okay, so the guy was handing out some floppies for a piece of software, and people took them back. They they you know used the floppies, they used the disks, and it wrote to the auto exec bat file, which is this is old school, folks. This is way back when. Um, but it basically, it's a file where it auto-executes uh, when it started up on the old DOS and early Windows machines. Um, but what would happen is after, I think it was 80 or 90 reboots, it would encrypt the file names on the machines. This is 1989. Yeah. Um, and then you would have to send 189 bucks to P.O. Box in Panama, if I remember correctly. Okay. Yes. yes. Now, they ended up busting the guy. I think they busted him actually over in your side of the, the pond over there. Um, and I don't think he was ever formally charged, but the irony to this was when they busted him, he said that he was taking any proceeds he made from this and putting it into AIDS research. That's the reason he kicked off this ransomware, but that was the first ever ransomware back in 1989. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, and, and I think it went a bit quiet after that, up until the two thousands, that's when we start seeing, started seeing some proper ransomware come up. And I think it's like maybe 2012, 2013, where CryptoLocker first cropped up. Yeah. And, you know, it asked for Bitcoin. for, for yeah. And I think that was the, the key thing. Because before that, you had um, ransomware because you had asymmetric encryption going on. So, you know, it allowed them to encrypt it. But there was no way really of effectively taking out the money. And you, know, you could wire it to a bank in Panama. But... There's all the logistical issues, but I think Bitcoin or cryptocurrency was a real turning point because it allowed that anonymous transfer of, of information and what have you. And then uh, the, the the rest is uh, is history, I suppose. Yeah, the somewhat anonymity of the money transfer part is what really fueled this. You know, not to say that there's anything wrong with cryptocurrency, but we all have to at least admit that this was an enabler. And the difference is, you know, if you watch any any shows out there, you've read any even real cr true crime type stuff. When there's a ransom situation, the part where the people, uh, the attackers, the bad guys are most at risk is in the transfer of goods 
or money, right? It's at the money drop. So, you know, set the briefcase here with the money in it. And then somebody comes by and picks it up and there's 30, you know, FBI agents leaping out of the bushes around there, right? That's always where the risk is, is in that piece. Well, now that it's all done kind of in the ether and ones and zeros going really, really fast, um, that has really reduced the risk and therefore enabled this to happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, so now, now, now um, it, yeah, but like you said, we can't blame Bitcoin for it. It's just a tool that was there and criminals found a better way to monetize it than anyone else has so far. Yeah, also, just like Tor. Although, did you read that PayPal is going to start introducing Bitcoins into their wallets now? That's interesting. So that's that to me is a game changer because that then allows you to actually start using them for something other than a, a trading tool or, or something. Not I, I'm talking as if I've got plenty of bitcoins. I have zero. But if anyone wants to send me any, you're you're more than welcome to. For research, we would research how it all works. Okay, folks. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, before we wrap up. I do want to give a shout out to our friend and colleague, Roger Grimes. His uh, new book came out. It's called, uh, what's it called, Eric? <laughs> it's called Attacking uh, MFA. Attack, is it, it's, it's hacking, is it, does he have a number it, uh, in front of it? It's, it's called Hacking Multi-Factor Authentication. Hold on, let's just get that on the screen. There it is, Hacking Multi-Factor Authentication. Uh, paperback. It's uh, well. I'm on the Amazon.co.uk, so I think it's it's a bit of a, a delayed um, thing here. But that, that's Roger's handsome face there. Uh, but but yeah, do go do go check it out. Uh, he this is like his twelfth book or something. So he he's a really really good writer and uh, and uh, he, he he's got the brain the size of a planet. So I I don't agree with. Uh, the, the title because I actually think well no, I do I, I mean it's uh, I, I'm a big fan of MFA but I'm interested to see what he's written because it's like um, one of those things that will probably shake my, my whole confidence in the whole thing so well my favorite part is that I'm actually in, uh, mentioned in the intro I think um, Roger does mention me as you know we're colleagues and uh, go back and forth on a lot of things. And uh, one of the things we do is we kind of compete on our presentation style. So uh, a little bit of fun in that part too. But yeah, check out the book. If you're an MFA, I mean, Roger is a smart person. If you really want to understand how this works, um, I guarantee it's going to be easier to read than his quantum book. Yes, maybe we should get him on one week onto the show so that he can talk about the book himself. That would be very interesting. Yes, yes. Okay, cool. And uh, on that note, say goodbye, Eric. Goodbye, Eric. <laughs> Just it's so immature, honestly. This is what I have to put up with, folks. So anyway, thanks for joining us again for uh, another Jerick Show. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Jerick Show. Follow, uh, download the podcast, the thejerickshow.podbean.com. Follow me on Twitter at J4V4D. And forget about Eric. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week and stay secure, my friends.